story. Hey there, and welcome back to A Conversation for One Podcast, the podcast where I ramble on about horror and sci-fi multimedia, film franchises, theme parks and Canadiana, and so much more. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's uh, it's been a, it's been a while. Um, as you know, I was really hyping up this August episode coming out, like really hyping it up, and I have tons of things lined up for it. And you know, it's just it's 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 taken a lot more work than I thought. Uh, classic me biting off more than I can chew. And uh, it's just been a pretty hectic month. Um, this last month has been very hectic. And uh, yeah, I'm still working on it. I am still working on it, but I want it to be perfect. I really do. And I got a couple other things I'm working on, I'm getting a promo ready. I have other um, fully recorded episodes that I'm editing. And I just, you know, I got a lot in the works. This is my job and I just, I do it because I love it. That being said, I know you guys probably want some more episodes. So I was thinking like, what, like, what could I do an episode on? And I just saw scary stories to tell in the dark. And I thought, perfect. Unlike the film, but we'll get into that in a second. Well, it's based on the stories that you can find on three amazing best-selling books over the last three decades, you know? Three generations have read them, and I was part of one generation. And, uh, you know, this is not an anthology film. It's not a group of stories. It's one single story. But we take some of the episodes from those books and, uh, and, and make them come to life. And it's uh, a PG-13, very much like a young adult horror movie it is it has very adult elements but it has very young a good heart uh it has a is is, is more thrilling uh, than anything else is you know there are two types of horror movies the ones that leave sort of a mark in the soul existential and this and that and this and the other type which we are is like a roller coaster okay so scary stories to tell in the dark um so hands down already had to see this film because Guillermo del Toro's name is attached to it. And I am a big del Toro fanboy. Huge. Huge. He had two exhibits. Well, he had one exhibit at the AGO and I saw it twice. I have the poster of that exhibit hung up in my room. I have two posters that were specific to the AGO hung up in my room. I have all of his books. I own all of his movies. I've seen all of them, obviously. And uh, yeah, plus, okay, it's just a sidebar here. That man has got one of the like most creamiest voices. I don't know, like even with the accent, he's just so passionate and soft and just feels like down to earth, like a neighbor who's just like telling you a story and you're like, oh my God. Like maybe him, Martin Scorsese, you know, Jeff Goldblum. I could there's like a handful of people that I could just listen to them talk about anything. Like if Guillermo del Toro was going to tell me about like how many coats of paint he used when like painting his room and all the problems he had with painting his room, I could probably listen to that easy for like one, two, three, four, five hours. And I would love every second of it, but we are not talking about that. So scary stories. Um, he produced the film. And he wrote the screen story for the film, which is a weird thing. I'd never really heard of it, but I guess it's just the setup of the story. Because if you guys don't know, and I, 
Um, didn't really know these when I was a kid, but Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is actually based on a book series. Um, there's multiple books in the series. I definitely kind of like recognize like the covers. If you look it up, you'll know what I mean. Like if you hadn't already read them, you definitely saw them like creeping around in the library somewhere, but I never read them. I never did. And um, so I have no attachment to these books, um, but Del Toro, I feel, took those stories and he stitched them all together into one, well, semi-cohesive narrative, and that was great. And then the director of the film, uh, Andre Overdahl, Overdahl, I hope I'm saying that right, I didn't know he was directing this, and it's not like I'm going to pretend like I'm a huge fa uh, fan of his, but I do know him from Troll Hunter, which is an amazing found footage film. If you haven't seen it, definitely, definitely recommend it. And the auto the autopsy of Jane Doe, it has been on my list for a while. I had it downloaded. It's been ready to go on a USB. I wanted to watch that bad Larry. Just haven't gotten to it. And I also didn't know that he directed that. So this guy definitely has some good stuff under his belt. I didn't know he directed it. Um, but he did. So you've got that name, you've got Guillermo del Toro, and these books are already critically acclaimed, and you're just thinking, this is going to be a home run. And to its defense, it's not awful. It's really not awful. It's a really good movie, but this is coming from me. So like, if a movie's amazing, I'm like the person who's like, yeah, it's amazing, or it's good, but... And if a movie's bad, I'm like, it is bad, but it has these merits, or I'm like, it's actually a lot better than you think. When a movie is kind of middle of the road, leaning one way or the other, I'm just straight up. It's a good movie. It is. It's worth seeing it. Is it worth seeing it on a full price day? Honestly, I would usually say no, but this film isn't doing like gangbusters, so go see it a normal day. Like, see it a Friday night. It's worth your time, really. Like, there are some scary parts. It you are going to be thrilled. You are going to be on the edge of your seat for some of the scenes. And that really, to me, is already worth the price of admission. I know it's not the easiest thing to uh, fork up that kind of cash for a theater ticket, but there isn't too many scary movies out anymore. Because as far as I know, like Midsummer, oh, what was that alligator movie? I want to say Cage, but that's not it. Anyways, there was that alligator movie, and then there was also... Um, Annabelle that came out. I don't think any of them are in theaters anymore. And oh, Crawl, Crawl, not Cage. What the hell? Um, so I don't think any of those are in theaters right now. This movie, though, and I was discussing it right after I saw it, would have been much better suited middle of September, late September, October, because this movie screams Halloween. It screams it. It's like so Halloween. Like, everything about it, it's basically, it feels like trick-or-treat, but without being an, an anthology film, which, again, I haven't read the books, so I don't know which parts of the books or which stories were, like, omitting things or, like, uh, had stuff changed, but even that, like, even me being an outsider watching this, I was like, oh, I feel like they built this up with, like, ad campaigns and with... Um, trailers to be such a bigger thing and i get maybe that's to like play on the fans of the novels like oh look harold's here or look the fat lady's here or whatever the lumpy lady or whatever she's called she's in this and you're like oh okay i'm gonna see it but i did feel like if we've got a whole story with harold if we got a whole 
story with the tow lady that it would have been potentially better. Um, but it wasn't and doing a little bit of research just before like doing this. It's not necessarily like a car rant. I'm just kind of talk going to talk about this, but I guess Guillermo del Toro said, yeah, uh, there definitely was discussions about doing this as an anthology and overall we just decided at the end of the day or i guess he did that and i i get this i agree with this wholeheartedly because i love me some anthology films he said like basically every anthology film is as worse as is like as bad as its worst story and it's just and it can never be better than its best story um so that kind of sucks because it's so true so when you make them like one narrative then ultimately you can't really like pull anything you can be like that's cool or that's cool or i liked how they did this but you can't be like this story was good like this whole third of a movie or a quarter of a movie was bad but this one part was really 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 good you can't really do that as easy when it's one narrative and i and i do get that but wanting to talk about this film and it's sad and it hurts me to admit I watched it last night. I already forget so much of it. That's the toughest part. Aside from like one or two films, when Del Toro puts his hands into something, it doesn't always mean that it's good. And I've been burned before. And I'm not saying this film burnt me because it didn't. I just wish it last it left more of a lasting impression. A lot of it just felt like very... I don't know, like very much like I had seen this before. The narrative felt very stale, very boring. The scary stuff, which was scary, none of it was like scary enough. Maybe one thing, but none of it was scary enough that I took any of it at home with me, if that makes sense. And this is where, if you guys are planning on seeing this film, let me just say this. Six out of 10, seven out of 10, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Who knows? Maybe it'll change or it might fluctuate. But after this moment, spoiler talk. So maybe pause this, pick this up later if you feel inclined to. If not, I appreciate you listening this far. But after this, I am going to be talking spoilers. Okay, I'll give you like two seconds. One, two. Okay, right off the hop here. Did you not like... Okay, so this is for people that haven't read the books because I don't know if this is actually a thing because I don't know if these films or these films, these books connect to, at any point. But did you not think when watching this film that Mary, who they summon, was going to be like, ha, you fucked. Like, that was me the whole time, you stupid fuck. Like, I am the one behind all this shit. I've been toying with you the entire time. The whole time, like, Sarah or... No, what's her name? Ah, Stella. The whole time Stella is, like, talking to her, like, no, I'll tell your story. I promise. I really promise. And Mary's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, still face. Like, like you know when, like, your significant other is, like, giving you all this BS and she... They're, he or she is like yelling at you with a ton of bs and you're just like you're like just straight facing it knowing like you're about to like end their fucking career like because you have so much against them that's basically what mary was like she's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. oh okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like basically it was like that the entire time that this little girl's like no please my friends and then like and you're expecting like mary to be like nah like this ain't happening for you but instead she's like you're right 
here, write the story down and I'll let you go. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, especially with Guillermo del Toro and this guy, uh, Andre Overall. I'm going to call him Overalls. That's terrible. But I can't remember his name. I think it was Overall. Overall. They both are known for, like, making, like, a little twisted film at the end. Not like M. Night twist, but, like, where you didn't think it was going. Like, oh, that's dark. That's not a happy ending. Or, oh, no. They're really rooted in reality here. It doesn't always work out. That's that's usually what they're like. Or at least with Guillermo, it'll be, like, dark. But, hey... You know, maybe in a dream like world, it might work out. Like, seriously, Shape of Water, ambiguous. Like Sally Hawkins' character, poo poom, shot. And it's just like, oh, but maybe they like they ended up working together. I kind of leave it up in the air. Like, dream, Pan's Labyrinth, girl dies, but finds her like fairy tale mother and father. Is she dead or finds something else? I don't know. Right? Crazy. So I kind of thought like that would happen. Like maybe she got trapped in the world, or she would be the new Mary. And I was like, yes, yes. And then it didn't happen. And then none of the friends came back either. And at the end, they're like, but we're going to keep looking. Dad quits his job, evidently. And then sister, whose face is like torn up, like torn up. They're all like together for some reason, because like all of their friends are dead and gone. And then the guy, Ramon, doesn't come with him. He goes to Vietnam. And I was like, like, I get it. But in this movie of like far-fetched shit, are you really like going to go to Vietnam and not look for these other people? Okay. And then it's like, how do you make a sequel out of that? I, I guess there were other books, but it kind of felt like they used all their A, like their A-list hitters here. And now they're going to have to like call up like from like the farm league for their next one. So I, I didn't really get that. I didn't, I wasn't really feeling that. If they do one of those things like we'll never stop looking and they just leave it. All right. It's like a kind of a weak ending, but I, I would uh, almost rather it be the ending. So a couple things. Characters in the film, pretty good. Um, nobody like stood out as amazing. Um, there was like the bully, like the frat kid. He totally looked like a piece of shit. He fit the bill perfectly. He looked like that 50s, 60 eras kid who was a piece of shit with like the toothpick hanging out of his mouth, was dumb, but like made the calls. I don't get, I loved Harold's design. Some of the CGI was terrible, like the bugs crawling on Harold's face. You're like, good God, it looked like 2009 CGI. It was really, really bad. Um, it's such a small little nitpick, but you kind of notice it, especially when you're looking for it. And um, Harold was cool. When Harold kills that kid, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, they're actually they're going here. Like, I didn't know what the rating was when I watched it. You get to a certain age, you don't even look anymore. You're like, I want to see this. You just walk in. And they were like, oh, fuck, like a pitchfork, like, like right through him. He's like, oh, and I was like, oh, shit. But he wasn't bleeding. And I was like, uh oh, like it's like it's rad that they like did that. But he's not bleeding. So what's happening here. And then he's like turning into the scarecrow. And I was like, oh, he's turning into a scare. Why is he turning into a scarecrow? And I know it's like, why are you getting hung up on that? Like, like he's turning into the scarecrow because it's like it's creepy. It's like unnerving. But if you're going to like introduce the, the, the audience, like the people watching the film to being like, yeah, anything can happen here. It's a story. Um, I felt like that might have been better as like a second or third um, entry to be like, yeah, anything can happen here. I would have thought like getting rid of Augie first, you know, like the, the big toe story, easily the best one. Very eerie. I will say frustrating part of the horror. 
like if your friends who are usually like hey augie are like augie don't eat it don't eat the stew god damn it would you keep eating the stew no and his whole thing was just like well I don't hear any voice. The stew's as good as any. Even his mom was on the phone like, stew, I didn't make any fucking stew. He's like, <laughs> okay, mom. He's still eating the stew. And it's like, oh, God damn it, Augie. Like, fuck, sign your name on the death certificate already. So he eats it. And then you get like creepy. Oh, what is that name? That guy. I don't, I can't remember his name, but he's in another Guillermo del Toro film, uh, Crimson Peak. He plays like one of the ghosts. He's got like that, oh, he's a Spanish guy. He's got the body deformity. Like this like the weird, weird. he's also in um, Conjuring 2, I think. I don't think he's the nun. He's the other one. <laughs> uh, oh, God, it's gonna, no, I almost said Raggedy Man. The Cricket Man, he's that guy. His arms and limbs are like all stretchy and long. So he plays this girl who's missing the big toe. Very creepy. That scene, that whole story, best one not best one but like most nerve-wracking like i was actually like oh fuck no 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 like i didn't cover my eyes in the film usually i'm bad for that like watching through like the crevices of my fingers but i could have there that was a that was a creepy one my only thing is same with harold it was kind of over too soon like we got too much plot um with like the kids and stuff that i couldn't have cared any less about um so that design for that monster was cool that story setup was cool Harold was rad, thought it was kind of weird that they used that one to open up, like this is, these are how the stories are going to work, but Harold's design was cool, would have liked a little more scares, he's literally like scary for like one scene. Same with Big Toe, really. The spider one was cool, that was just like gross, I actually found like the pimple to be more gross before it got like her whole cheek size, like when it was just a, a massive pimple, I was like, oh fuck, but then when it was like her whole cheek, it kind of looked less real, I don't know if that makes sense. But like less believable um what else was kind of neat oh the mon. what is that like the i want to say like the pale lady but it was like kind of like that globby fat lady with like the smile that went up her entire face um yeah so when that lady is chasing is it ronnie like kind of like the comedic kid uh when she, when she is like on to him that kind of fear is probably one of like my worst fears. It's like being trapped in somewhere and then seeing something from every angle. So basically he would see this lady like smiling, walking towards him and he'd be like, oh, like fuck this. Right. And he'd run full tilt down the other side of the hallway. And as he's running, he sees, Oh fuck, she's there again. So then you turn around and go run back. She's still closing in. So he's like, okay, fuck this. And he runs down a different hallway. She's there. Runs down a different hallway. She's there. And every time he thinks he's actually getting distance on the one he's running away from, all the other ones that he had saw are still closing in. So it's basically him knowing that everywhere he goes eventually, they're getting closer and closer until eventually they're going to get him. And that kind of fear, that kind of mental mind fuckery is next level and i couldn't even imagine reading that book as a kid i probably would have had nightmares for years um that's easily like one of the ones that was a standout for me um just it's just crazy to think about and then eventually grabs him and he's like pushing away and just like completely pushes him into her and just absorbs him and that's it there's no fight there's no scream he's gone it's terrifying it's literally terrifying 
Um, and it was from no fault of his own. Like he literally reacted as if, as anybody would have in the scenario, the situation that he was in. And that's also what makes something very scary when it's like, yeah, no, I can't see that happening any other way. It's just haunting. It's haunting stuff. But, um, so that one was good. As I said, the spider ones, the spider ones were okay. Um, so, um, I think there's a couple more things, but let me just touch on some of the characters here. So you have uh, Stella, pretty cool character. She's basically the the lead and the your like your final girl, I guess if you could say final girl. She's all right. She doesn't do anything special in terms of child actors. She's okay. She's pretty good. Um, I feel like it's a cop out to say like the funny one is the best one um because there were a couple moments if you're like really paying attention which sometimes i can't shut that off you're like oh like that line just he just said it like it wasn't like he acted it or it felt anything he just said it and it's all of the actors in this film do that but he probably does it the least amount which is great so i'll give him that ronnie and then augie was pretty good. I liked Augie. The first time he came comes on to like the movie, I'm like, oh, oh, like he is not high school. Like he's got, hey, my voice is like this. And I was like, oh, like my voice is like that. So I'm 26. So I'm not buying that you're in like grade 11 or grade 10. Um, but it happens. I mean, it's not like my voice just got like this overnight. No, actually, my voice was actually probably like this deep from like the end of grade seven into like grade eight, which is just absolutely traumatizing when you think about it. To be a kid, like I'm not the tallest guy. I'm just shy of 5'10", but to be a kid like 5'4", and to have a voice like this, and especially like when you're a kid, like, hi, my name's Tyler. Your voice is like so monotone. It must have sound like a tree god, like a fucking spirit of the forest talking. But anywho. Uh, so, but he, once he starts coming out, like, uh, you know, he's coming to play a little bit more with like his acting chops. You're like, okay, you know, I buy that this kid is like that kid. We all know that one kid, like the rich kid in high school, who's like very posh, very quiet. And they had to do stuff a certain way. Um, I feel like I'm describing somebody I know right now. So it's a weird feeling, but we all know a kid like that he was like weird because he didn't belong to any like click but like he wasn't actually like a weird kid i guess i don't know but he was okay he was all right the sister of ronnie or whatever she was hot the blonde one i'm almost always gonna agree with that she was hot she's done up it was 60 style Ugh, guilty pleasure can't help it but acting wise nothing special nothing right home about didn't really have anything to do like i said before that kid uh who was like the bully perfect for what he did nothing great um, the dad is like um, Hank from Breaking Bad. Uh, like, I mean, he's given, he does as much as he can, I guess, of what he's given. There's like one emotional scene where he has to like put on a couple tears. And I was like, okay. And there's the cop. The cop's kind of boring. Um, you see like the family and stuff of Mary and they act a bit. But really it's just, if you're coming in for acting and you're coming in for like a really, just a driving narrative, you're not going to find it here. It's not here. I mean, you can look and look and look just like they looked for this lady's room. Am I right? Look at that a little segue, a little tie in, but eventually they found the room. And if you're looking for story and character structure here, you're not going to find it. So, uh, hate to be that guy. 
The plus side, though, is that it's got mood. It's got mood. It's very, got, it's really mood. I mean, nothing tops like Trick or Treat or Halloween 3 uh, in terms of like Halloween mood. Um, but it definitely, you definitely get some mood. Oh my gosh, Ramon, star player, like the star Ramon. Not amazing also, but like Stella, um, for basically kind of the lead um, and the pseudo like love interest, I guess, even though he, he definitely feels like he's four years older at least than her or five years older, but whatever. Um, in kid years, that feels weird. When you're like, oh, I'm 25 and he's 30, it's like, oh, okay, that's fine. But when it's like, like I'm 14 and that he's like 18 or 19, you're like, ugh, right? Like, ugh, I don't know. But anywho, so he's pretty cool and like he's kind of like rebel without a cause kind of vibe and you know he's he's like vague and mysterious and kind of ambiguous with what he's doing there and then his stories unravels and you don't really care anymore but he is really cool um in terms of a character you can get behind not my favorite but definitely i feel like he'll be one of those people you see um a little bit more in films uh if anybody's pulled it's going to be him and maybe the hot sister. I feel like the guy who plays Ronnie is like very much trying to like ride on that like wolf Finn hard or Finn stranger things kid. Who's also an it. Cause that's very much what the character felt like. I feel like I've seen him in something else before in a smaller role, but, um, and that's about it. So we don't really see too much of any other, um, characters. Um, so who do I have left for monsters? So we have that weird, um, putting himself together and ripping him uh, himself apart kind of guy. He's okay. He's like scary. He's really scary because he's actually like super formidable and like you can't do anything about it. And in like a real world, like where all the other monsters were like, oh, we're after you. And after we get you, we're just going to go away. Like we're only after you. But this thing was like, oh, I want this guy. So I'm going to kill anyone who gets in my way. Like anyone kills the sheriff. Boom. Did he kill the dog? I don't think so. Was he going to kill Stella? Yeah, definitely. And like one at Ramon. There was one boogaboo I had though. When Ramon like absolutely, like when he puts on a seatbelt and he just absolutely like floors it and just rams this, this thing into like in between his car and a transport truck and is like pinned, just absolutely pinned. He's stuck there. And then Ramon gets out and he's like, like, yeah, I got time now. I have time. And the monster's like, oh, I'll just fall apart and then I'll put myself back together. But I was just thinking like that wouldn't work though because your torso from like shoulders to like waist was all one piece. And he had you pinned like that. So it's not like you're just pinned, like crushed into it. And because your legs and arms came off that you're just, you'll just slide through. So I was like, eh. Eh, I don't buy it. I would have like bought it more if he like over time was like wiggling himself out or something. Cause he's supposed to be like uber strong, but I mean, time constraints, story constraints. It's a small boogaboo. No one else cared about that. I'm sure. But it's something that stood out to me and I was like, oh, I don't really like it anymore. Oh, that's another thing. The house creepy, very creepy. And as I do with most things, I was like, no, 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 no. Like, no, 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 don't go. Okay, don't go in there. Oh, you're going to go in just two people? Okay. <laughs> you're going to go in just, you're not going to wait for the other two people? Okay. And uh, just was very cool. Very cool. Definitely got like um, 
gothic vibes from it and it felt like a lot of stuff i'd seen before which is great because um i don't know just not because it's like oh you've seen this before you like this right it's like more like oh i'm still riding on that vibe i dug it it was very much haunting of hill house definitely was kind of the vibe i got with that mixed with like maybe changeling kind of remind me a little bit of changeling the changeling um what else here what else what else oh yeah so when ronnie goes into the cupboard into like the wardrobe and he like opens the door and just sees the blind lady with the dog and she slowly turns his head her head i was like oh fuck like this is so fucking like i didn't again i had no idea what i was coming into with this film i didn't know any backstory i maybe saw one trailer i just knew guillermo was attached to it and it was like from a very scary kids book series um and then i was like oh god and then i was so scared that was probably the most scared i was in the whole movie when he's like just like waiting there like breathing and you hear like like with the steps and you're like oh fuck is it gonna be augie or is it gonna be the lady and if it's a lady what the fuck happens to this fucking poor kid like that's the that's the part about this film that i think is the most scary is that everybody for the most part is innocent in this film and they still die and that just proves to the audience like anybody's that's is at risk here like there's high stakes and the fact that she knew the story mary knew the story or mary stella knew the story about mary and still grabs the book i just thought for most of the film like you stupid fuck like you're supposed to be the smart one in this group of friends and you're just like oh, i'm so alone in mommy issues or whatever let's do this and it's like no nope nothing nothing's really making any sense or giving you an excuse for why you would do this but sure you do you you keep doing you and uh we will literally all pay the consequence for it and that's fine was the book good though was it good yeah okay so when ronnie opens the door though and he sees this thing and you're like oh so he's either in another dimension or it's another thing in time i was just like i was just thinking to myself okay so how's this going to play into the story because like he's got some weird gift now where he's been in both places or he knows there's both places but then they don't listen to him they don't care about what he said it doesn't play in, in, into anything other than the room is red when he dies and i was like oh what an absolute waste of an opportunity just a terrible waste of an opportunity because even this ghost this ghost whether it's mary playing with his thoughts or it's actually a ghost of this old lady who was like mary's mother or grandmother or whatever is warning him like stay the fuck away from this red room turn away like run away get away from this all because she is going to kill you and he keeps saying it to his friends his friends are like meh and you're like he's like no 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 like seriously like i keep having the same dream for like this whole week and it's like i'm gonna die if i do this and they're like we have to and he's like okay i don't think you really get what i'm saying here and he's like trying to escape it but it comes with him and i was just thinking like ramon and stella go do their own thing and they're like yeah you stay up here and while half of me is like yeah i want to get the fuck away from here the other half of me is like nah you dragged me into here you're staying the fuck with me because if i die you're coming with me because i'm petty like that you know but um yeah so stella grabs his book and like an absolute idiot starts reading it and stuff and it's like oh i couldn't stop reading it what's that billy's dead it's like yeah like he's dead like what did you think would happen you know the story and they say it too it's just like oh a book like that's in like one of the, the stories that she had a book that she would read to all the kids before they died 
And he's like, no, that's in every legend. And Sal's like, isn't that weird? Let me just read this book that kills a bunch of kids for the last hundred years. It's like, what the fuck? And they say it in the movie as well. Again, don't touch anything here. Like, don't touch anything. Like, literally, the, the story is that, like, she kills people with this book. She kills people. Like, just leave everything the fuck here and let's get the fuck out. And she still grabs it. It's like your friends are literally moral compasses. They're like saying shit that friends in movies never say. Like, hey, we need to be careful. Don't touch this. Like, why are we even in here? Um, this We need to just be done with this. And she's still like, I'm the smartest one. Let me make the worst decision. Granted, doesn't happen. No movie. But you're just, I can't help but think that. I always can't help but think that. Um, so, right. So, Sela gets tricked by Mary. And weird body guys chasing now crippled Ramon and she's like okay I have to figure it out so Mary's like here I'm gonna put you in my shoes and she's in basically 1880 or whatever it was when Mary was kicking around and they were like we found her we found her and I didn't get this so maybe somebody can explain this to me but so the kids were dying in this time so Mary would be reading them stories to either I don't know make them feel better before they die or like warn them about the water being poisoned so I guess the water was poisoned and it was poisoned with mercury but I didn't understand if that was like the paper mill that was poisoning them or if the family was poisoning the people or the kids because they were gonna profit from it or get more land I didn't get that and then Mary was trying to tell them so they're like oh we have to we have to hide her away so she um doesn't talk and then we're just going to torture her and stuff and blah 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 oh that was a cool scene sorry to cut myself off here but when they're listening to the wax cylinder and instantly when they pulled at the wax cylinder i was like oh my god that's such like a guillermo del toro thing especially like crimson peak like there's a whole scene just her like another wax cylinder another wax cylinder another wax cylinder which i, I dug but i was just like this is like so self-indulgent but so they pulled this wax cylinder and it's like it's listening to the audio of them torturing um sarah not sarah good god mary they're torturing mary and then eventually mary's like they're gonna kill him like they're gonna do this like you can't escape it like they're talking to, she's talking to Stella and ramon and you're like oh fuck like i i always dig that shit when it like spins it on its head and you're like oh yeah like i'm addressing you now like it's an it's a, like again everything in this movie is kind of like a, a used trope like nothing was like too fresh Everything was like pulled out of the lost and found of like horror movie tropes, but it was really cool. Um, so anyways, she basically puts her Stella into Mary's like shoes. And then so everybody sees Stella as Mary. And then they're like, don't you understand the mercury in the water? Something. I, I just didn't get it. What was happening with the mercury in the water? What what was the story like i felt like they kept mentioning like in passing like yeah that old mercury in the water we're not gonna let you do the mercury in the water the kids in the mercury and i was just like why is there mercury in the water why is she warning them about it why do the kids keep drinking the water like what is going on with this mercury in the water i felt like i'm i fell asleep for 10 minutes and i just missed something crucial which you know i mean i'll be the first to admit that's happened before not that i fall asleep for 10 minutes but that just my brain glazes over something so i'm like oh wow the wood on that door is like really crazy it's super detailed and they're like and that's why we have to do that and i'm like ah fuck i god damn it i do that all the time um it happens at least like one movie a month that happens where i have to like rewind it or go back to the theater to see it again but i didn't get that and then when mary kind of shows up again the cgi is kind of poop 
sometimes it was like really good. Like it was like two specific scenes where the CGI was good. But then for Mary, I was like, oh, this is not great. This looks like a music video from like 2005, not cool. And like I said at the beginning, when Mary's like kind of like looking at her, like all dull faced, I just thought something else was gonna happen. I thought she was gonna fuck with her more. And then all of a sudden, once she gets the deal, she screams and none of her friends come back. But she's allowed to leave. I did think it was kind of neat that her glasses went from like present to the, or from the past to the present. But then it didn't make sense because then she was reversed anyways and her glasses were still fucked instead of her glasses just being there. I don't understand. Um, I think it's because Ramon touched them. But um, yeah, so nothing's really solved. We don't get too much of the monsters and it's not even this thing of like like hiding the monsters and then showing them to you for a second and getting a scare. It's like literally you only see the monsters for like a minute and then they're gone and you're like, oh, that would have been cooler if I had more of just like a couple monsters or just full stories with like individual monsters. But at the end of the day, I'll definitely be buying this, I feel. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want like a good, um, like produced Guillermo del Toro film, I would say there's a few others that are better. I would kind of put this in the same spot, uh, spot of like, don't be afraid of the dark or, um, yeah, I think that's what it's called. The one with the tooth fairies. That one was about the same. When I came into that, I was like, oh, this is going to fuck me up. Like Guillermo del Toro. I just watched Insidious. I was like, this is going to be good. And it was all right. It was just a good story with a couple of creepy things. I kind of put that in the same area. If you want to see a really good one that he produced, go see Mama. Go see The Orphanage. Those are both great films. This film, like I said, I feel like a safe number 6.5 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Not a bad film. Really not. This whole review, I feel like it's nitpicky, and I don't like to be that guy. I hate being a critic. It's always so easy to just shit on things, to be like, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. This was bad. It's it's harder to say what you love about things and what you admire about things or what you like trust about things or what you're looking forward to for a next film. And there's a lot I liked about this. The character designs, like all of the baddies, they all looked good. They were all good. The aesthetic of all the film looked great. It, I never once questioned that it was like 1968. Never once. Everything matched. Nothing was off. Um, the set pieces were cool. Um, what else did I really enjoy? Oh, you know what I really, really liked? It doesn't add anything, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. Was Stella's room is supposed to be like, look at how like nerdy into horror and much how much of an outcast she is. Like she had all these like, um, posters of like the of like white zombie and like I don't know like the raven and the black cat and like the undying monster just like a bunch of like everything from like 1930s to like 1960s horror movies they're showing like night of the living dead she's quoting it but her room was filled with like pulp magazines and like famous monsters and uh um ec comics what is that called uh tales from the crypt sort of stuff and that was all really rad and she's got this cool typewriter her whole room i was just like in love of the room and i was just thinking like yeah like if i was in the 60s that's that would be a room i would absolutely like go nuts for and she's like yeah i read these books like cover to cover and i was just thinking like all right you're overdoing it we get it she's a nerd we get it she's an outcast no friends that sort of stuff but then i was thinking like it's the 60s like not only is there like nowhere to get this stuff the library probably doesn't have too much of this stuff 
and there's no internet and you might be the only one in your town who likes this stuff. So yeah, I guess you would be reading that cover to cover. I know I didn't have internet for a while. I didn't have friends around me for a while. I didn't even have other kids for around me for a while, not for a while. So you just end up reading like the same mad magazine again and again and again, or you keep watching the same movie again and again and again, because that's just how it is. So I was like, yep, I would totally be that obsessed about horror if that's that was my life. You just get every piece you can. Um, so those were all really cool things. Um, was I expecting more? Yeah, I was. Was I ultimately disappointed? Not at all. I went out of the theater thinking like, yeah, that was a really good movie. That was a good movie. Would I like run back to watch in the theater? Definitely not. Would I see it again? Probably. It's definitely, I would definitely say I would pick this up just to put it in my Halloween rotation, just to have something on, if anything. Um, so yeah, I would recommend going to see this. I would, even if you see it on a Tuesday, just see it. Um, it was really cool. Was it classic Guillermo? No, because it wasn't really his movie. He didn't even write the screenplay, just the screen story for whatever that is. Um, yeah, I thought uh, that's what I would talk about. So, you know, got about like 40 minutes or so in here, and I just wanted another episode out for you guys because I feel so bad. I feel so bad. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll get this, I'll get this episode out early August, like first, second week second week tops and we're past the second week now and i am i'm not gonna say i'm no closer than i was before but i'm really not super close yet to finishing it doesn't mean that i haven't been doing anything i've been doing a lot but i like i said bit off way more than i can chew so we will cross that bridge when we get there i'll keep you guys informed um, but stay hyped because i'm not going to just release it i'm going to make sure that i release it when it's perfect and um when it's done to the best of my ability and i've got lots more i got like easy like, three more episodes in in the i don't know in the pot if you will ready to go uh just got to edit them put them together and then promo materials you know it's hard i'm a one-man show you know but i'm doing my best and i hope you guys are enjoying these and just look out for more and uh who knows I'll either get that episode out next or I'll get out a little other episode just to keep you going. Um, but they are going to be coming out soon. So make sure you guys follow me on uh, Instagram and on Twitter at ACFO Podcast. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at A Conversation for One Podcast. Follow me on Patreon if you want. No pressure, but if you want to, at A Conversation for One Podcast. Um, rate, review, and subscribe on uh, iTunes or wherever you're listening. I'd really appreciate it, even if you guys just gave me a rating honest to God, just give me the five star or whatever you think I'm worth. It takes one second and it really, 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 really would mean a lot to me. Um, so thank you. And, um, hope to hear from you guys. I really appreciate all the input I've been getting on Instagram for things, for stories and questions and comments. I love it. I really love it. It means a lot to me. It knows that people are caring about their steps, uh, about the show and, uh, yeah, it really, it's touching. So hope to talk soon. And until then stay rad. Tyler out. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.